great first step for sure. It's almost like they invented things for this. (laughs) (laughs) A calendar. (laughs) If only there was a 12-month piece of paper I could hang on my wall. (laughs) That would just have every single day and a little space for me to write down what I need to do. (laughs) So simple. I like to complicate things. Welcome back to the Modern Lady Podcast. You're listening to episode 81. Hi, I'm Michelle. And I'm Lindsay, and today we are talking about routines. In a blog post from October 2012, best-selling author Gretchen Rubin quipped, quote, what I do every day matters more than what I do once in a while, end quote. Structuring our lives around a routine or a rhythm or a rule of life can have a big impact on our moods and overall happiness and can be yet another piece to the puzzle in our endeavors for a life of peace, balance, and order. But first, if you enjoy this episode of the Modern Lady Podcast, please take a minute to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or whatever app you use to listen to podcasts. Your review can help the Modern Lady stand out so that others may find us too. Your comments mean the world to us. This week's shout out goes to Kara Dirks, who left us a five-star rating on iTunes and commented, quote, This podcast has helped me discover and validate my desire to be a full-time homemaker. Never was I encouraged to perfect or dream about the skills of homemaking. I always felt guilty and indulgent when I dreamed about a life where my job was to serve and love my husband and family. I'm excited to keep following along with these amazing women serving their individual purposes as homemakers." End quote. Well, thank you so much for your comment, Kara. It was so nice to hear from you, and we are happy to have you on board in this mission of preserving home and family. And if you would like to leave us a comment, you can do so on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com, or you can leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram, where you can find us at The Modern Lady Podcast. Before we get into today's chat, Lindsay has our Modern Lady Tip of the Week. Ah, fall. Many women get excited for sweater weather, but I get excited for coats. I'm a big coat fan, and little did I know that there's coat etiquette that we should all be following. According to an image, a vintage image from an unsourced book, there is a certain way to carry a coat and ways not to carry a coat. Is your heart beating a little quicker? Are you running through every memory you have thinking back to how you've carried your coat in the past? Fear not, I'm here to make sure you never carry your coat in the wrong way again. So let's first face the brutal truth of how not to carry your coat. Here's a quote from the illustration. How not to? Well, with the coat in a rather muddle over one arm with sleeves untidily dangling. Oh dear, now let's read the other way that we should not carry our coats. How not to? With the coat held right in front of the dress. I know what you're saying. Oh, Lindsay, I've been blocking my dress with my coat for years now. Whatever shall I do? Well, according to the illustration, here's how you do do it. Quote, in a 50-50 position over one arm with the sleeve just caught up, hand on hip to hold the coat away from the body is best. You will find that this side position looks better too. Hold the gloves in the other hand with the arm held downwards. Thus, you have satisfying asymmetry. 
Well, Michelle, if there's one thing I really let slide, it's my dedication to having satisfying asymmetry. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I'm just really happy that the way that I carry my coat was not mentioned in this. I thought for sure it'd be number one, and that is to tie it around my waist using the sleeves (laughs) as the ties. (laughs) Excellent. I'll have to dig a little bit further. You know, I don't want to shock you next week, but I'll look a little bit more into more coat etiquette. Okay, I'm sure it's in there because I can't possibly imagine how tying it around your waist contributes to, what was it? Satisfying asymmetry. That's it. Nothing says new routines like starting a new school year. This year, we have certainly all seen our fair shares of being flexible and being open to change. So it's not surprising, perhaps, that many of us are really feeling that desire to get back into a routine again, more so than usual. Right, Lindsay? Yep. And it's, you know, no shocker to our listeners that we've been talking a lot about how the world seems to be descending further and further into chaos and disorder. Mm -hmm. Right. And how at the same time, many of us are feeling that in our personal lives, in our homes, we're we're feeling that inevitable pull towards chaos too. And Mm -hmm. we've talked a lot about how we're choosing, we're making the decision to fight back against this chaos by increasing, you know, the amount of beauty in our daily lives and how we both believe that keeping our homes reasonably tidy is an act of rebellion right now. And how we just no longer want to just sit by and let the chaos kind of overwhelm us. But there's one thing that I've never been good at. And I think it's the one last piece of the puzzle that I could maybe do (laughs) in my own home to help fight back against this chaos. And that is following a daily schedule. Mm -hmm. You know what? There's so much to say about routines and schedules. You just have to go on Google and type Mm -hmm. in search for books on establishing a daily routine and you come up with hundreds (laughs) of hits, right? This is something I think everybody um, wants to implement in their lives, maybe struggles to though. And it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint. It's hard for anyone to share their exact schedules because it is one of the most subjective necessities that (laughs) we possibly have today. Mm -hmm. It's true because I've asked a lot of people and it, Mm -hmm. especially right now, it's really hard for people to try to share because everything is so up in the air. But I, so I, in writing my notes, I really looked back over the 20 years of my adult life and I (laughs) had to admit to myself, I can clear, see clearly now that I have kind of created created for myself a life that doesn't require me to have a daily routine. And I realized I've done that for 20 years. So when I had a job, it was in retail, right? Which meant that my working Mm. hours varied every single day. So I was never nine to five. Then I married a man who also has a crazy work schedule that's all over the place. So we never had a daily routine in our home. Then Mm -hmm. I became a mom and I never followed ever a schedule with my kids. I breastfed on demand. I never did a sleep schedule. I really did like child left parenting for the first four years of their lives. And this worked out really, really well for me. And I used to look around at some of my stressed out mom friends and I actually felt pretty chill compared to them. And I'm like, yeah, this seems to be working this no schedule (laughs) approach. Um, And then Michelle, my kids started school outside of our house, Mm, like out in the real world where I had to get them to school every day. 
and (laughs) right. And I didn't do well with the whole, Hey, today is pirate day, or you need to pack them a lunch every single day type of routine. So Mm-hmm. Long story short, as you know, you know, I did five years of our kids in school and trying to follow that routine. Then I was able to homeschool for five years and I'm in my sixth year now. And I was able to follow my own non-routine routine. And it's, ugh, I'm realizing as they're getting older now, I can't just kind of wing it. Uh, it's mm-hmm. time for a routine in this house. Yeah, it is. It does seem to be that um, getting to school on time really yeah. kickstarts the, yeah. the the need for a routine. Because I would say that's when that's when I really buckled down too. Okay. And yeah, um, although uh, when my babies were young, we were pretty much on a schedule, mm-hmm. and that was actually one of the appealing things to me about homeschooling was mm-hmm. that my babies wouldn't have to be on a schedule. Yeah, it's still a sticking point whenever we have babies and school kids at the same time. That's hard. Yeah. Um, but the whole thing about being out the door and having them in class by 9am, which is when our school starts, uh, that really led me to examine like, how do we do the mornings? How do we do that? Uh, At the same time, though, nothing gave me more satisfaction, though, than to see them off for the day at school and realize like we did it. It was like a win every day. Yeah, we did it. You were hanging in there. <laughs> it's truly yeah, that's like, right. <laughs> it's like the meme from Lord of the Rings, right? Where they're carrying Frodo and it's that exhaustion that it's like the beginning of the day and the end of the day always as a parent. <laughs> oh, that's survival. so true. It's rare yes. that I get to drop a Lord of the Rings reference. <laughs> I was just going to say like, wow, a <laughs> role reversal here. You're welcome. Welcome. Um, so what I was thinking again get about my routines, I realized that like, I've been pretty lucky because the things that I want to do in my day have mostly been in alignment with the things that I need to do, right? Like I actually mm-hmm. get great pleasure in cooking and cleaning. It, it, so it hasn't really posed a problem, but I do feel like I've hit that limit now. And so it's just... It's just that now with, you know, a kid in high school and one doing uh, grade seven and in a real school and then homeschooling the other ones, I'm, I'm starting to get that voice in the back of my head. That's like, "Mm, you need to still get everything done and you need to be, get more efficient. And uh, even you're starting to gain some weight again. So you've also got to work some exercise into there and you Mm. also need to (laughs) tackle all these other projects. And I just feel like after a long time in my life where I could just silence all of that and go, you know what? No, this week we're just going to watch movies. Right. Which is what I've always said. Mm -hmm. Nope. We're just going to do movies and cookies today. You can't do that past a certain point when you have to prepare children who are Mm -hmm. rapidly becoming adults right? I feel like that shift has happened. So I know you love routines, Michelle, you are, Mm -hmm. you're good at this. I'm turning to you. I need help. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, and you know what? I will turn to um, my upbringing for this too. So like, I can't take credit for it. I grew up in a pretty disciplined house. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom was raised that way herself. And it all goes back to that story. I've told it a few times, I think, on the podcast, but it's it comes down to porridge mm-hmm. for me. Okay. <laughs> um, that was all my grandfather, my papa, um, my mom's dad, and he would make for his six kids every morning a pot of porridge, a soft-boiled egg, and a glass of milk. And that was your breakfast, no questions asked, and that's what everyone had, even on weekends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And he would always tell the kids that discipline is so necessary. You need to have discipline in your life. And that was really lived out in the family routines. Mm. And so subsequently, that really has trickled through. I'm glad it's been one of those um, hereditary things mm-hmm. <laughs> that have come through in, into the generations. Uh, for my part, I really believe that before we really get into it, I do have a slight distinction between routine and rhythm, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And I, I even looked it up for everyone on Google just in case I was mistaken. And so a routine is usually defined as like a sequence of actions that are regularly followed. So mm. more like a fixed program. Whereas a rhythm, very similarly, it's a strong, regular, repeated pattern of movement or sound. Mm-hmm. So they sound the same, but I think what really got me was the fixed program part. And I have both in my days. So, you know, before COVID hit, when the kids were in school, I could see this in my mornings every day. Um, The morning routine before 9 a.m. was fairly strict and it was followed and it was very specific. That was a routine um, to get kids dressed, changed and all those things checked off. But from nine until noon, the late mornings, though that was a rhythm for me. It was just the time that I knew every day that did not have a routine in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that made sense. And that's when the more subjective things would get done. My to-do list, getting together with a friend, helping someone else out, volunteering, whatever I needed to get done. But having those worked into my schedule gave me security about my days I don't like to feel overwhelmed. So it was just comforting to know that every single day, more or less, that's what I was going to be facing and what I expected of myself. I love that. So I would definitely say that I also have a rhythm, but it's not a good rhythm. Like I'm just mm. a creator. Okay. <laughs> like it's it's not a bad rhythm. I mean, mm-hmm. as you know, I get my things done every day, but I think I am craving definitely more that set routine. And I feel like mm-hmm. you and I talk about this a lot just when we're having our own, you know, friendly conversations about how we both do have a desire to quote, do it all. And the world tells us we can't do it all, right? That's the immediate Mm -hmm. thing you hear from everybody. But you and I are a little bit more um, optimistic and we think we can do it all as long as we organize (laughs) ourselves and plan our days better. And so part of my brain thinks that and really believes it. And then the the rest of me just goes, nah, and kind of does whatever I want. (laughs) So when we were talking about this, I really wanted to take this opportunity for myself to research about why a routine, like I needed to sell myself a little bit further because it's already there Mm -hmm. in my head, but I really wanted to go a little bit further and go, okay, I have a great desire to be um, successful in my day. And that success isn't just reserved for the workplace, right? It's Mm -hmm. how can a housewife be successful? Well, I want to get it. I want to do it all. I want to get it all done. I still want a nice dinner on the table. I still want to have makeup on. I still want to try to get a workout in. I still need to homeschool my kids and I still want to keep my house clean. And so while obviously we have to be reasonable about those expectations, I still believe that I have the right to have those expectations. And so how do I do it then? Mm-hmm. I really loved looking into why routines do help us and I, it helped motivate me. And so, you know, hopefully it'll motivate some other people because I'm sure I'm not the only one out there who has that whispering voice going, it's time to do a routine. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and they're like, that's a great idea. As then they just sit back and do nothing for the rest of the day. <laughs> Well, they're waiting for you to to share the spoils of your research. <laughs> okay, okay. It's like, great, I'm with you. 
So I was reading an article on skilledatlife.com about routines and something really jumped out at me. (laughs) Having a daily routine reduces our need to plan. Now, I know that seems obvious, (laughs) but that was a light bulb moment for me. (laughs) I'll say it again. Having a daily routine reduces our need to plan. I know you're like, oh, thanks, Captain Obvious. But I spend a lot of time every morning figuring out my plan for the day. And I'm very transparent about this on my Insta stories, right? Like you can, you'll see me in the morning talking about my plan or sharing my to-do list. And that actually takes a lot of time, which I just thought, well, that's part of the day. Like I need Mm -hmm. to spend the time planning my day. So this is why this really jumped out at me, because if I just had a routine in place, I wouldn't have to be doing all of that planning every single morning. And so having that routine would include all of the mundane tasks, right? Like showering. I have to schedule in showering. And I know, I mean, that's a Mm. whole trope in motherhood, right? So I know I'm not alone in that. But if that was actually (laughs) scheduled into my routine, like get up, then shower, Sounds basic, but I would actually need to incorporate that into my routine. So if I had that sort of routine, that morning planning time would already, for the most part, be taken care of. I wouldn't have to sit down and do that, right? I would just have Mm -hmm. to think, okay, what's a little different today? What's something else I'd need to add in? So just that simple point of having a daily routine (laughs) reduces our need to plan. Wow, eureka moment. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it it frees up mental space, Mm -hmm. right? And you can see this. um, Remember a few years ago when people were really talking about wearing a daily uniform Mm -hmm. or the people that do wear daily uniforms? And one example was Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, Like, like, iconically, what did he wear every day? Black turtleneck. Black shirt. Yeah, Yeah. black turtleneck. And... uh, they quickly realized that many of these moguls and brilliant people yeah. do the same thing. And one of the reasons they said is it's it takes one decision out of their day. Yeah. That's their routine. <laughs> like that's that's the habit. And this reminds me of something that my mom often says to me if I'm feeling overwhelmed with a decision, sometimes she'll just kind of stop me <laughs> as I'm blabbering on. And she's like, you have too many options, Michelle. Mm-hmm. Like there's too many decisions here. If we had one thing that we needed to do, that would simplify so many other aspects of our life. And that totally goes for time management. If you have a routine in place, that is your one thing for right now. And um, if you do that en masse throughout your days, throughout your weeks, then for the most part, the recurring daily things, you can have peace almost that those things will be looked after in their time. And right. you're right. That does really give some clarity to your mind. It's called decision fatigue, right? And it's a real thing. Mm-hmm. And I, having just gone through a major renovation, I remember trying to buy flooring. And anybody's tried to go and buy like new either laminate or hardwood or vinyl flooring. Yeah. You go into mm-hmm. any store and they have two thousand options like it's so overwhelming I could not make up my mind then we finally went to this one other store and they had seven seven samples out (laughs) of flooring and I'm like perfect and you would think from a business standpoint that wouldn't make sense right you want to give your customer all the choices but no as the customer it just was when the decision was almost made for me it was so much easier and so you're absolutely right it frees up brain space which can help us become way more efficient I 
and I'm not exaggerating here, you know, I have never really used a calendar. So I have carried around mm-hmm. the schedules of six people in my brain for 14 years. And wow. I've actually been pretty good at it. I've only double booked or triple booked things a few mm-hmm. times or missed the <laughs> odd appointment. Um, and, and, I, and I would actually pride myself on that and be like, well, look at that. I don't need a planner. Well, what that was doing to me, though, I, I don't even think I can understand how exhausting that was for me and is for me to carry all that around in my brain. And so Mm -hmm. the idea of being able to do a brain dump, right, every morning and just dump that all out and be organized. Yeah, um, I I haven't started really fully doing that yet, but I'm really expecting to feel an actual weight lifted off of me. Right. And they even suggest to (laughs) they, whoever they are, (laughs) uh, they even recommend doing that at night too, right? Mm -hmm. For people who have trouble falling asleep to have that notepad by your bed. And when something pops into your mind that you're going to need to get done, get it out of your brain because it does really bog us down. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a great, great first step for sure. It's almost like they invented things for this. (laughs) (laughs) A calendar. (laughs) If only there was a 12 month piece of paper I could hang on my wall. (laughs) That would just have every single day and a little space for me to write down what I need to do. So simple. I like to complicate things. Um, So (laughs) there was another thing on this website, skilledatlife.com, that jumped out at me. And again, it might be so obvious to the rest of you. um, But I was like, whoa, this is some brilliant stuff. Um, It's that having a a routine reduces the need for determination and willpower. And Mm -hmm. if people have been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll know I'm a huge fan of determination and willpower. Like I love stealing myself against things, right? Like I actually love self-denial and like hardcore fasting and like hardcore working out. (laughs) Like I love those things. And while I do still 100% believe that we should grow in those areas and grow in that type of discipline, Reading this article really did help me see that having a routine frees up some of that willpower so that I have to expend just trying to get, again, those basic things done. I remember Mm -hmm. learning a long time ago about when I was trying to develop a, a better diet and nutrition that we're only given a certain capacity for willpower in a day. Right. Like, so if you have already hit snooze on your alarm clock twice, then you have to, you know, say no to the sugar in your coffee or whatever. And then you have to say by, I think she was saying by 10 or 11 in the morning, you're done. You've used up your reserve of willpower. And so if I don't need to use that up and simple things like forcing myself to shower, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. that's just part of my routine that again, frees up that, that spot in, in my head and I can redirect those skills for developing my my self-determination and willpower to more important things. That's right. I actually love routines for that reason, because Mm. it kind of forces you to be um, centrist. You Mm. and I really love that word lately. Yes, we do. It's our (laughs) word of like the month, centrist. Yeah, that's right. But, But to be more centrist, because we do have a tendency to swing wildly between Mm -hmm. one extreme to the other, right? (laughs) But with a routine, you will have some days where the routine feels too easy. And then you'll think that you're being lazy or that you really should kick it up a notch, but remain faithful in it because tomorrow it's going to be really hard to stick to your routine. But what the routine does is that it keeps 
everything moving along despite your emotion like detach from your emotion it's it's detachment it's discipline and if you are giving yourself what is it 21 days to form a new habit mm-hmm. once those things are habit you will have spent 21 days doing plenty of stealing yourself <laughs> mm-hmm. and and you'll be happy to have the routines in place to kind of allow you those days where it seems like you're just going through the motions so that's absolutely one of the reasons why I love having routines and rhythms worked into the day. It takes work to get there. um, And it certainly is not always easy. But if you set a routine, you are you stick to it as best you can. um, And it allows you freedom from both directions. I love that you gave me that heads up, right? Because as somebody Mm -hmm. who is going to be trying this, I know I'll have that day where I'm like, nope, that was too easy. And I don't like easy. So I would immediately go, okay, I'm going to add 20 things to my routine for tomorrow. I've got to up it. I've got to constantly, (laughs) like we always talk about, I've got to level up. But I I think you're absolutely right. What I'm not good at at is consistency, right? I'm really good at leveling up (laughs) and then falling all the way back down. (laughs) So that idea of being consistent. And it's so funny because what you don't even know is the next thing on my notes and maybe Maybe it's because this is our 81st episode together, but you're naturally segueing into whatever's next in my notes. Oh my goodness. So we've become a married podcast couple. We are. (laughs) Yeah, we are of one mind now. Um, So what you were saying essentially is what this next point is, which is about that a routine helps build momentum. And Mm. right. So that we all know practice makes perfect. And so if we do these same things repeatedly, like you're saying, whether it's easy that day or hard, we obviously become more efficient in it. And then this will actually bleed over into all of the areas in our life. It will help us grow in self-confidence. It can reduce stress and it allows us to actually feel relaxed when we relax, right? Not just fake Mm -hmm. relax. And it can help save money when, when this momentum starts to build. Um, and, and it again, bleeds over into these other areas of our life, we'll stop wasting food. We'll stop canceling those Mm -hmm. unused gym memberships. So it's just this little simple act of staying consistent and doing something. It will start to snowball in a good way into these other areas of our life. Yeah. And you know what? I really think like to establish a habit, there is a, um, a bit of time that you're going to just have to allow for yourself to be perhaps unnaturally rigid about it mm. right um it, it seems it seems harsh to talk about this in a lifestyle way but not so much if we link it to something like a, an exercise routine mm-hmm. I feel like people are far less likely to um become discouraged when you talk about establishing fitness routines right because yeah. of course if you want to establish a gym habit sorry but you have to get to that gym every single day and everyone's like Absolutely, 100%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if you want to get up early every morning, people are like, well, but what if I'm yeah. tired? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what if I stayed up too late by accident last night, which never happens to me? Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but um, a, a good way to frame it so it doesn't just sound like you're like beating yourself up about it all mm-hmm. the time actually comes from um, St. Jose Maria Escriva. Mm. This is actually how I train myself to get up early because I was a night owl Mm -hmm. and now I've completely reversed that, but it's been over two years. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) And he talks about, I'm just actually going to quote him because he says it best Mm -hmm. himself. (laughs) He says, quote, the heroic minute. It is the time fixed for getting up without hesitation, a supernatural reflection and up the heroic minute. Here you have a mortification that strengthens your will and does no harm to your body. 
If, with God's help, you conquer yourself, you will be well ahead for the rest of the day. It's so discouraging to find oneself beaten at the first skirmish, end quote. And so every morning when I was trying to get up early, it hurt so much to get up. But I framing it like, no, I, I can conquer myself for the first minute of the day. And that really does set a positive tone for the rest of the things that you're going to try to stick to for the rest of the day. I obviously love St. Jose Maria and that quote, I, it's amazing. And you have, again, segued perfectly into now some of our <laughs> tips for how to do this now, how to establish oh, a routine because morning time is on that list for sure. It's a really, really big deal. As you were saying, mm -hmm. I read that we are awake on average 1000 minutes a day. And I've also read that the first five minutes, so a little bit longer than what St. Jose Maria is saying, but the first five minutes really can have a significant impact on our moods for the day. So what this means, if we do a little math here, is that 0.5% of our time will impact 99.5% of our day. Wow. Right? Wow. That's yeah. pretty huge. And that is pretty big. What I think is so interesting, because you and I have talked many times on the podcast and privately about this whole waking up thing. And when mm -hmm. I have done it, I have loved it, but it, I am the queen of excuses for it. And so one thing I just read, and I thought that this was really, really interesting, is that um, a bunch of different successful CEOs all wake up early, but they all wake up at different times. And the thing that they have in common, though, is that they have a morning routine. I mistakenly thought that in order to be successful, you have to just wake up really early. And you, you, that's just part of it. You have to wake up before everyone else to get your day started. Now, absolutely, there's incredible power to waking up before the family wakes up and getting things done. And I do still believe that that's my goal, my end goal. Um, mm -hmm. But what I'm learning now is that it's actually the routine that's more important than exactly what time you wake up, right? So that mm -hmm. all of these yes. different CEOs all had, and they shared what time they all wake up. And it was a across the board from 3.45 till 7 a.m. But it was that they they didn't hit snooze. They didn't start their day with social media. They, a lot of them started their day with prayer or meditation, um, something to ground them and give them peace. And then they fueled their bodies in the right way. So mm. morning time really, really obviously can set the tone for your whole day. Yeah, it's so true. It really does. Um, what I found really helpful when I was trying to get into that, and again, this is before I was able to fall asleep earlier mm -hmm. to compensate for the earlier wake up. It was very, very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, it really came back to that concept of extrinsic rewards for myself yeah. in getting up. So I would, I would have a plan. So it wasn't just waking up and just kind of wandering around my house yeah. <laughs> for a little bit of time. I, I made sure to set some time um, to know exactly what I was going to fill the time with. But when I turned off my alarm clock and got up, I knew that it was going downstairs to a hot cup of coffee mm -hmm. first thing in the morning. And I find that very pleasurable. So I knew I could get that and settle in on my couch. And it was reading, spiritual reading. I find that very relaxing. So I knew that that was the reward for me doing that in the moment. The the intrinsic reward later on comes from just the knowledge that if I get up now, this will really get my day going and set my day on the right path. But that's not like a physical, tangible, that feels good type of thing. And the intrinsic wasn't enough 
to get me up. I could make a million excuses mm-hmm. to those, but I really, um, you know, it was on par when I woke up first thing. I was like, I like both my warm bed and a hot cup of coffee <laughs> the same. So I guess I'll just go get the coffee now. <laughs> so what you're talking about is actually something here called productive mode anchors or action triggers. And they actually use Ooh. coffee as the example. Um, so oh. <laughs> the other examples are tea, a cup of tea or cranking your tunes. What these things do, these action triggers, They're so deeply ingrained in our personalities that we don't even second guess that we have made a brain connection between Mm -hmm. the idea of I'm going to have my coffee and then I'll get my day going. We think it's Mm -hmm. maybe the caffeine, but it's not necessarily the caffeine. I mean, many of us have been drinking coffee for most of our lives and probably are not even affected by the single cup of coffee. It's the emotional connection that happens when we have the action of having the coffee and then our brain goes, and then I get to work coffee, then work. Right. And Mm -hmm. so there, I find that this can be a little bit harder for us to be intentional about creating these when you don't leave your house to go to work, that these, we need to kind of create, um, these, these action triggers and to be Mm -hmm. a little bit more intentional about having these productive mode anchors when people drive to work. Well, that's one thing, right? You get in your car, you drive to work, you go through the drive-through, you walk into your office, you sit down at one's desk. These are the actions that would trigger in their brain. It's time to get to work. So you've done that in your morning routine and Mm -hmm. you, your body then knows, okay, now what's the next thing. And so I think that that's awesome. And I need to (laughs) again learn to do that I have the (laughs) coffee and I do know it's time to get to work but by that point I'm already behind so I need to have something else happening before it (laughs) I was reading an article about this about um when you're establishing habits, start to try to recognize patterns Mm -hmm. in your day and how that's affecting your mood as you go about it. And so you can correct those things with um, specific solutions for your own personality, right? Mm -hmm. So the example they gave was that commute for people and the, the noticing that it was the drive, it was the stressful drive to work that was dismantling this woman's day. Mm. And so she realized that she could spend that time in her car listening to audiobooks, which was something she really, really enjoyed. And all of a sudden, it was easier for her to get into the car on time and make it to work (gasps) during the day. Right. Right. So that's something very unique. That's something very specific to your tastes. And I think that I I really loved the idea of um, noticing patterns, observing yourself, right? What does work for me? Maybe it's not waking up at, I know we both follow Jocko Willink, Mm -hmm. the Navy SEAL. And he gets up at 4.30 every morning to work out. Yeah. Working out is not an extrinsic incentive for me to get out of bed. Yeah. <laughs> it is for him, though. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's just, it, it might take some time to observe yourself in general, too, and then try to get creative about what is it that you can add to the pattern that will will help you anchor into that new routine, as you say. That's great. And I had to like, it's a, we call it biohacking basically in the nutrition world too. It's like, what what can you do in your body that's already there to set yourself up for success more? So like you're saying, like know your ebb and flow of your energy throughout the day. Do you work better in the morning? Then you schedule these things for the morning. When does your mid-afternoon slump hit? So just really Mm -hmm. paying attention to those things. 
And as if you're already paying attention to things, let's just follow that train. And it's time to really evaluate your daily tasks. You have to put the legwork in with this. Um, the one article I was reading on goalcast.com said that you should even carry a little notebook around for the first week or two and jot down every single task you do in, a, in the day. No task is too small. They're like brushing your teeth. You have to be completely aware because one of the biggest ways that people fail in scheduling is that they completely underestimate the time it takes to do things, right? Mm -hmm. Or how many details are needed to complete a project. And so you have to be just like we're saying with how your day goes and your energy levels, also so aware of what you actually have to do in a day. And then when you take all of that data, you can really then sit back and create a realistic routine for yourself. Yeah. So you mentioned also an evening routine. So that's right. Like mm -hmm. the having the, it's really important to have a good and solid morning routine and evening routine. In his book, The Compound Effect, Darren Hardy argues that a person's morning and evening routines are quote bookends. And these are the bookends of a prosperous life. He says that without a disciplined evening routine, you will have a problem maintaining a successful morning routine, mm. that everything you do just before you go to bed has a lot to do with how you're going to wake up without a struggle. And the time that you go to bed is the ideal time to prepare yourself for the morning. So are there things that you do at bedtime, Michelle, that do kind of help set you up for success in those mornings? <laughs> um, I've started laying out my work. Um, the night before. Mm. So often it's when I edit the podcast. Mm -hmm. So I have actually found like, um, I find it hugely stressful in the mornings to get to work and realize that my laptop's out of batteries, but mm. I can't find the power cord or that I want to do my morning prayers, but I can't find the book. Yeah. <laughs> I can't find where I put it from last, last time. And um, especially now going into the cooler season, actually, I just started this again. Um, I don't like feeling cold. Yeah. And so it's hard to get out of bed. So I've been um, putting my blanket on the couch, like mm. ready for me. I just kind of roll out of bed, <laughs> roll down the stairs, <laughs> grab my coffee and roll onto the couch into my other blanket. <laughs> what a visual. <laughs> Somebody needs to animate maybe, that. That needs to be maybe a... I'll Insta stories at one yeah, more. Please. <laughs> but yeah, I I totally see what he means. If I had a coffee machine that had a timer, you don't. Ours has that a timer. Too. It's the best thing I... in the world. <laughs> I hear that. But the only saving grace is that I have a, um, we have a bun coffee mm. maker and they make a pot of coffee. It's the, it's the kind that Tim Hortons uses. Mm -hmm. So they do make an entire pot of coffee in like three minutes. Okay. okay. So it's okay. And I usually don't wait for that. Uh, I, again, I have it so timed. It's so part of my routine that I know that by the time the coffee reaches like the five cup mark on the carafe. I know how to stick my mug, like transfer it as it's pouring, <laughs> fill up my mug, but it goes too slow. So I pour the coffee at the same time from a little um, space in between the coffee maker and my cup. And then I stick the pot back under and let it finish. And I'm on my way hmm. rolling to the couch. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, it's, it is. Yeah. Just, um, setting up for success. But I, I do a lot of that to your point in the evenings. 
So I know I started out this episode by being like, yeah, I'm so not a routine person. This is not who I am. But I did stumble across one article where a woman said the same thing about herself. And then she kind of revealed that as she was studying this, she realized that she already does have a life full of routines. So as I was thinking, but I'm like, yeah, wait, I am living a life full of routines. There are things I do on a routine basis that are different than a rhythm, right? Like actual, Mm -hmm. I mean, I do have four children that I have to feed. So like we are getting fed and cleaned and all those things are happening. So I think that the routines that I've told myself that I can't do, right, that I've been like, no, can't get that getting up in the morning and all those things are just the things I simply don't want to do. And I needed Mm. that bit of a hard wake up call because I guess the truth is I, I do have routines. I am capable of doing them. I've just chosen to not do the harder ones. Mm-hmm. I needed that realization. And then I stumbled across one more tip that made me a little bit more excited. You know, as you were saying earlier, there are countless blog posts and books and podcasts and YouTube videos about creating new routines <laughs> and habits. It's mm-hmm. clearly a billion dollar business. But I only came across a few sources that had this one tip in it. And it just said, remember to make it fun. And I'm like, what? Mm. I always mm. thought of schedules as being like the enemy to my creative side. They're so boring. It's so oh. adult. It's too much control. Um I realized that our routines can be just as fun as we are, right? Like it's a reflection Mm -hmm. of who we are. So we can work fun into our routines. If it's way more fun for you to work out with somebody else or to go for a walk with somebody else, then then work that in. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. just have to be all dry and boring like I thought it had to be. Right. It's like the latter concept, right? Of it it doesn't necessarily matter which rung you are as long as you're striving for that top rung. Mm-hmm. Um that it's less important of what exactly you're doing in the midst of your routine and the fact that you're trying to establish one in the first place. Mm-hmm. Oh right, <laughs> so, yeah. Right? So yeah. how you need to make that happen, especially at first, Um, It might look really different five years from now. And in fact, it probably will Mm -hmm. (laughs) because life changes that much. But the routine is that you get up at that time. And then um, the little tasks that you put in the meantime, I think, are their own little routines Mm. that have their own little creative flexibility and movability. And you you just work within that. And uh, I like what you said. I think routines are massively creative. Mm. And especially when you're trying to manage not only yours, but several people's. Mm-hmm. Like, find me a more creative person than right. a person who can do logistics on that. So, right. I, yeah. Um, I know you mentioned the 21 day mark, and I was looking into that a little bit more. So I read that it does take 21 days to make a new habit, but it takes 90 days to make a permanent lifestyle change. Mm. And then I also read the number 66. So they were saying, some professionals were saying that to really create and stick with your routine, it can take people, it's a massive difference here, anywhere from 18, 18 to 254 days. But the average is 66 days to really mm. establish a new routine. So either way, with all those numbers, it's not going to happen overnight, right? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and I yeah. love a thing to happen overnight. Not quite enough that I would get up early to see if it did happen overnight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the caveat. That's right. (laughs) But um, I think it's a good reminder, like you're saying, that that it's just about 
stepping back, looking at what you can do, trying to establish it, and then trying to be consistent. I expect to be like a professional at my routine within a couple of days. Mm. That's just mm-hmm. how my brain works. And then I'm like, nope, didn't work. Move on to the next thing. So I don't, I'm definitely feeling more motivated after doing this research and talking with you to just sit mm-hmm. down and finally to try to do that. Um, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, all life is an experiment. The more experiments you make, the better. And we've said that before. We both love the idea of experimenting and figuring out what works for us. And I know I'm not alone in feeling this need to establish a new routine. You know, we've we've just gone past the six-month mark of this pandemic. And that's a really big marker for events Mm -hmm. in people's lives for like a continued state of stress. Six months is a pretty big deal. And, you know, I feel like even if we have been able to remain healthy, if we've been able to keep our jobs and are stable financially. And, you know, my heart goes out to everybody that hasn't been able to experience those things. We've all had our lives completely shaken up. And so if you're like me and you're feeling like it's time to do what you can do in your own world, start here, start with a routine. The last thing I read was that we're not all called to be in leadership positions in our jobs professionally or even in our communities, but we are the leader of our own life. And so run your life like that and try to approach it the best you can with the little bit of control that you can try to seize from this world that is definitely chaotic right now. for our What We're Loving This Week segment of the show. So Lindsay, what have you been loving this week? Michelle, you know me. You know that I'm always on the lookout for family-friendly murder shows. Yep. <laughs> I love even typing that out, especially as I grow in virtue and try to seek out forms of entertainment that, that edify me. And well, I found a new family-friendly murder show. <laughs> We have been watching this new slash old show uh, on BritBox. Jason spotted it and he was so excited because it's a show he used to watch when he was younger. And Mm. it is the Sherlock Holmes series from 1984. Are you familiar with that one? Oh, no, not at all. Okay. It stars Jeremy Brett as Sherlock Holmes. And according to Wikipedia, his portrayal is accepted by many as the definitive on-screen version of Sherlock Holmes, more than any of the other wow. actors. And while I love Benedict Cumberbatch in that <laughs> show, um, mm-hmm. I now personally feel that Jeremy Brett's portrayal is as close to the novels as possible. He is outstanding. It's it's His portrayal huh. is so good. Watson is really good too, but it's like you feel like he is Sherlock Holmes. Um They did 42 of the 60 Sherlock Holmes novels. They condensed some of them down into 36 episodes, combining a few of the storylines. But that Mm -hmm. means, Michelle, for you and I going fall and winter, that that there's 36 episodes, 36 hours of like really well done 1984 British Sherlock Holmes show. If that doesn't say Huga, I don't know what uh-huh, says Huga. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, as you're saying that, I'm envisioning it all happening. It's so exciting. And my older kids have been staying up. We've been trying to get the younger ones to bed a little bit earlier and then bring the older two down with us. They're loving the episodes too. Just like with any Sherlock, you're not getting any of the blood and gore. And just they're, mm-hmm. they're perfectly creepy, very well acted. A little dated with the whole 80s thing. You can, It's not quite the attention to historic detail that we've done in later 
years of shows, mm-hmm. uh, but but really, really good. You'll you and Phil will love it. Oh, that's so good because mm-hmm. I just started reading, uh, rereading Whose Body. Oh, yes, this week. Yeah, and I'm like, it's fall, it's yes. here. <laughs> so, what are you loving this week, Michelle? So I've actually been rereading on and off a young adult fantasy fiction series that I really, really love. And it's called the River of Time series by Lisa T. Berggren. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I don't think I've recommended it before, but um, I recently got my sister onto them. So it renewed my interest. So usually in the fall, I go for mysteries, like what you were just talking about, right? Mm-hmm. But this year, I'm just finding that I'm reaching for easier novels as well, just as a means of escapism. Mm-hmm. So the River of Time series, um, it's one of my favorites, like I said, and it begins with the book Waterfall, and it introduces two sisters, teenage sisters, Gabby and Leah. They are the daughters of two archaeologists, and the family regularly spends their entire summers on the sites of their parents' digs. Mm -hmm. So this particular summer, they're in Italy, and while they're exploring one of the sites, the girls are mysteriously transported back in time to 14th century Italy, and they end up right in the middle of battle between knights of two opposing forces. Um, so I really loved the history in it. And of course, I love the storyline, time travel, always here for that. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just an easy book to get through. And it may be a great uh, fall escape for you if you're looking for one. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. If you want to get in touch and chat with us about our topic today, you can find us on our website, www.themodernlady1950.wordpress.com or leave us a comment on Facebook or Instagram at The Modern Lady Podcast. I'm Michelle Sachs, and you can find me on Instagram at mmsachs. And I'm Lindsay Murray, and you can find me on Instagram at lindsayhomemaker. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and we will see you next time. Thank you.